Welcome. This is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to our Sun, Salt, and Light broadcast. We want you to know and grow in the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, and be the salt and the light. We'd like to thank you so much for taking time to listen to this broadcast. We simply teach the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and we believe that God changes a life one verse at a time. I'd like to personally invite you out to come and see the church. Uh, it is a very casual atmosphere, and uh, but we do take the Word of God very seriously. We meet in a non-traditional church building. We actually meet at the BFW 3966 in Divine, Texas. It's located at 211 West College Avenue, big white building right next to the post office. Our service times are on Sunday when we go through the New Testament uh, at 10 a.m. and then on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. we go through the Old Testament. Uh, we have children's ministry available for both services and if you need to get more information on the church you can go to calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bible ready we'll begin our verse-by-verse study in the book of Mark chapter 15 verses 33 through 39. The title of this sermon is Truly This Man Was the Son of God. Here's the first half of this two-part study. Uh, last week we kind of dealt with the, um, as we looked at the crucifixion, the brutality of the crucifixion, the pain and the suffering, the mocking, the spitting, the punching, the scourging, him carrying that hundred pound beam across his back to the cross. Can't make it, somebody has to step in and help him carry it. And eventually they have to carry him. And we talked about the five to seven inch nails that were driven in to the to the actual wrist in between the major nerves so remember i told you crucifixion is, is not a bleeding event you don't bleed out from that because it doesn't really they don't hit any major nerves when they crucify you you actually drown from your lungs filling up uh, but jesus was bleeding pretty badly because of all the beatings that he take uh, had taken uh on the way to the cross Jesus is now on the cross. He was being railed by a thief. He had two thieves, one on each side. And then now what we see this week is we see the final portion of his crucifixion and his death. And so let's look right into the first little bit here as we look at why have you forsaken me in verses 33 and 34. It says, And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Now, Jesus had been on the cross for three hours, and, and at this point, you have to understand, this is the brightest part of the day. This is when the sun is at the... Now, for us, it's usually 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock our time. But in, in uh, Jerusalem, it's around noon. And so the sun would have been at its brightest, and it's pitch dark. It's dark. And I love what Luke chapter 23, verse 44 says, and 45, it says, It, it is now the... About the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. It failed. And, and this is an astronomical event because Passover happens during a full moon. And in order for there to be an eclipse in the daytime, you need the moon. And it's not in position. This is a miracle from God that's being done. He shut it down. He shuts it down, and, and, and it's a reminder to us that this has to deal with the darkness that's surrounding Jesus. But do you remember when Jesus was born? In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. And now there was, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. 
And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. When Jesus' birth happened, there was supernatural light, light that comes into the world. And he says that in John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And, and, and darkness actually represents judgment. When we look at the Old Testament, it tells us that in Exodus chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. But we know there will be darkness again in Revelation chapter 16. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of, uh, of the beast, and, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish. There will be a judgment on this land, and Jesus will return. And it's, it, when we see this, it's the darkness, and this is the same darkness that we have on Calvary, on the place of the skull, Golgotha, where he's being crucified. And yet this is God's firstborn, the beloved son, the Lamb of God, who's taken away the sins of the world. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13, it says, You who are purer pure eyes than to see evil... And cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? If there is darkness in your land, why are you going to let them swallow up the righteous? At what point will Christians stand up? At what point? God hates evil. And God hates darkness. And you've got to remember what Jesus said at the first moment of his, his ministry was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And if something is being done that is wrong in this world, you need to stand up and say that is wrong. That goes against God's word. word. And we're watching righteous men be swallowed up. And we're not saying anything. Everybody's hiding behind their pulpits. Look, I'm, I am all for God is love. But God is also for repentance. God is also wanting you to have salvation. Wanting you to have eternity. To have your debt paid for your sin. That you can't pay. And the Christians have gone into their churches and treated them like bomb shelters. Or cruise ships. When we're supposed to be on battleships. As Ryan Reese had somebody recently on. They were talking about how... You have that battleship mentality. You have missions. Every time that flight deck is busy, they're sending people out on missions. That's what we're supposed to be doing as a church. That's why, you know, you think about, well, you know, I don't know if I could pass these things out. I don't know if I can invite somebody to church. You need to get past that. Because you have a command to share the gospel. God's given you a command just like he's given me a command. Before I was even a pastor, he gave me that command. That's for every one of us. We've all been given the command to do what? We're supposed to share the gospel and make disciples. And the church has neglected this. And we're watching wicked, the wicked swallow up the man more righteous than he. And the church is silent. The church is silent. And God hates evil. God hates darkness. And here we have Jesus surrounded by men that were mocking him. Soldiers. 
that were mocking him. Darkness. But the worst part of the darkness were the religious leaders. They're mocking him. Darkness is surrounding Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. They're blinded because of the prince of this world, Satan. They're blinded because of the evil one. It's been veiled. But there's power in the gospel. There's light, and you are the light. And when you go out and you do something like as simple as telling somebody, hey, there's no such thing as purgatory. You know how hard that discussion is? Somebody just told this man his father is not in hell, not in heaven, but in purgatory. Like some middle place. And that was made up by some Gnosticists. If you study church history, it was actually somebody who, who believed in Indian culture and became the king of the Roman Empire. He didn't like what was being taught, so he introduced purgatory. There's no such thing in the Bible. But you are to reflect the light of Christ where you're at. Whatever you do, be a light. Understand that there is darkness in this world. But you are the light. We had the discussion this, on the way to church this morning, Teresa and I, about whether or not churches should do trunk or treat. It is the darkest night of the year. Where is the light? Hiding in the home? We had some lady that said she would never bring her kids into her neighborhood because of how scary some of the houses are and how the people want their whole intention is to scare little kids. And it's evil, demonic looking. And she drove by and she saw we were at Grace Calvary Chapel because Pastor Joe's wife had passed away. So Matt was leading the trunk or treat with Jimmy. And so we went to help them because they always help us. And she just mattered, She just brought her child there. And she goes, this looks so much more family friendly. And then we got to talk. Invited her to church. We are to be the light. There is darkness in this world. Matthew 4, uh, verses 16 and 17. Matthew 4, verses 16 and 17. It says, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, Jesus Christ. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. You have three hours of darkness. And now we come to probably one of the hardest portions of Scripture. In verse 34. And in the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, have you, why have you forsaken me? And I can tell you, I have went and listened to like 15 different people try to say that, and I just went with what the Blue Letter Bible had. That's how the guy on the Blue Letter Bible said it. So if you're up here going, I don't remember my pastor saying it that way. I went by the Blue Letter Bible. When I went to go look at each word, but it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's speaking that in Aramaic, in Aramaic. And, and we know in the book of Matthew, Matthew actually gives this in the Hebrew, and he gives it to him in the, in the Hebrew language because it is the Jewish audience that Matthew is writing to. And just a side note, this is one of the last seven sayings of Christ. There are many studies that have been done on this. And, and some of the other sayings were Luke chapter 23, verse 34. 
And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And we went over this last week as they were casting lots. Who was there? The mom. In John 19, verses 26 and 27, it says, When Jesus saw his mother and, his, uh, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his uh, mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And then the thief on the cross, as one railed him and said that this man, get, come down if you're, right, if you're, if you're, if you're God. And the other one was like, dude, we, we're guilty. This man was innocent, right? This man is innocent. And, and Jesus tells him, truly I say to you today, you will, you will be with me in paradise in Luke 23, verse 34. And then another of the sayings is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that word forsaken in the Greek actually means to abandon, to desert, to leave in straits, to leave helpless, to leave helpless. And Jesus is crying out scripture in Psalm 22, 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me, say, uh, saving me? from the words of my groaning and actually i think that's probably what we're going to do i have one week before we do advent and we're actually going to do a quick study of this in psalm 22 verses uh, 23 and 24 which is a trilogy of david and the cool thing about that that trilogy is in psalm 22 he is writing about the good shepherd that dies for the sheep and then psalm 23 he writes about the great shepherd that lives for the sheep and cares for the sheep and then in Psalm 24, he writes about the chief shepherd that returns in glory and rewards his sheep for their service in the second coming of Christ. And we see that as, as Jesus is quoting scripture. But you have to understand this is the first time, the first time he's been separated from the Father. As he's fixing to take the wrath of our sin upon him. And we know in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, it says, And an angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The Holy Spirit, the Most High, as He's born, created uh, in, in the womb of Mary. But then we see, as He begins His ministry, as He's baptized, the Holy Spirit and the Father there, This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. But now, he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. As he takes our punishment, sinless. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, And be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God sends his son to die on the cross for the sins of this world. A debt that you can't pay. The wrath of, of God and the sin is placed on Jesus as a separation. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Left helpless in the Greek. In Isaiah 53.10 it says, Yet it has pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. 
he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in, in his hand. It pleased God. And you read that and you go, wait a minute, man, this is his son. There's a bigger picture here. He was pleased because of the obedience of the son. He did exactly what he was called to do. The son, at any point, fully God, fully man, could have said, I'm done. I'm getting down off the cross. <laughs> In this Roman Empire, I'm taking y'all out. Could have happened. But no, not Jesus. He was being obedient to the Father. There was no selfish intent or whimsy as, as God said he was pleased to bruise him. He's happy because his son, he has joy because his son was obedient to serve the purpose that he's called him to serve. And it makes us question whether or not we're doing the same thing. God has given you a purpose in this world. Just, there, there is a gift that each of y'all have been given, at least one. Some of y'all have multiple gifts. But are you using them for the kingdom of God? Is he well pleased with you? you know, it's through the obedience of Jesus and the, the suffering that Jesus went through that he did the will of God. God was satisfied. There was a redemptive outcome. There was victory. And it reminds me of Revelation chapter 5, verse 12. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Beautiful verse. But he had to suffer. It was a volunteer choice that Jesus made to do this. Because he wanted to be obedient to the Father. And it's a volunteer choice for you to repent of your sins. God doesn't make anybody come to faith. You choose to follow or not. It's your choice. You repent. You turn from your sin. You turn to Christ. You believe in your heart. He becomes your Savior. And every one of us have a, an opportunity to have our sin debt forgiven. But Jesus in this moment is actually experiencing isolation that sin causes. Sinless. He's never sinned. But if sin is involved in your marriage... It can separate marriages. If sin is involved in a friendship, it can separate friendships. But the biggest problem that sin separates us from is God. It's a debt we cannot pay. It can only be paid by Jesus Christ. There's no other way. You can't earn it. You don't get in because your grandmother was, oh, she, man, she was really a godly person. She's going she's gonna to open the door and let me in. That's not how this works. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. It's our sin. It's the, the sin of humanity that, that has created this separation. And the Son is sent to, to take that sin upon him so that way we could be forgiven. It's not just so you can have eternity in heaven. What people don't understand is eternity starts here. That God wants to use you now. See, when we have broken fellowship from the Father, a lot of that happens is because you've already allowed your heart to be prepared by the actions of your sin. You've already kind of rolled it around in your head. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Well, and you start justifying what you're going to do. And by that time, the devil's got you. And we went over that this Wednesday. We're going to continue to go over that Wednesday. 
Sarah had brought up a good point in her in her version of the Bible that she has the uh, I was in the English Standard, but I think in the New King James and others they actually say that that Adam was standing next to Eve. We're going to go over that Wednesday. The the thing is, and we have to remember the context of that. We don't understand at what point Adam was standing there. We're not sure if he was there for the whole conversation. Here's something else that's really crazy that me and Teresa were talking about on the way home. Did Adam give Eve the wrong instructions from God? Did Adam hear the wrong instructions from God? Did Eve not listen to what Adam was giving her? At some point, there is a communication breakdown, and sin happens. Sin happens. Man, you want to see a marriage fall apart or a friendship fall apart? Allow communication to start breaking down and allow one of y'all to start, start thinking you can do whatever you want to do. And sin, sin gets in there, just like it did with Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was wise delight uh, to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to, t- to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. One of the things you need to be very careful with, when somebody's involved in sin, Instead of them sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, they will share the gospel of Satan and pull you into sin. They will proselytize sin. You've got to be careful. You need to be aware of that. If somebody's like, you know, hey, man, I'm I'm going to to go to the bar. Man, I started drinking again. Why don't you come with me? Don't pull that person in with you. You're trying to draw him in or draw her into your sin. And you got to be careful with that because sin loves company. Satan loves to trap more than one person. In Jeremiah 15, 17, it says, I did not sit in the company of revilers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was upon me, for your, you had filled me with indignation. Jeremiah is alone because he's standing for holiness. And let me tell you something. When you stand up for God, and you stand up for holiness, there's going to be a very light crowd around you. There's not going to be a lot of people. Because we live in a very dark world. We live in a very dark culture. And holiness goes against... I've never seen a time where good and evil is so apparent. Whether it's in the music industry, whether it's in the entertainment industry, whether it's in politics, it doesn't matter. Good and evil are so apparent today. And let me tell you something. As soon as one person comes up and says something that is right, that is holy, they attack him or her. They go after full barrels. They go with everything they got because they don't want you standing up for holiness. They want to silence you. And so when you stand up for God, you may be doing that by yourself at times. When you stand up for holiness, there may not be a big crowd around you. Just be aware of that. Understand that. It happens. But you just keep, keep the faith and keep doing what God's given you to do. I don't know how many times I was told we couldn't get in the schools. You can't get in the schools. You can't get in the schools. You're not going to be able to get in the schools. God provided a way. We stood for holiness. And let me tell you something. There was a big group of people that were praying. By the time we dwindled down, there was only about five of us that actually were like, okay, let's, we're going to do this regardless. Let's figure this out. You stand for holiness, man. You stand with God. 
You don't need nothing else. Let me tell you something. It's hard. One of the hardest things to do is to do that and understand that you're going against a culture that loves sin. They love sin right now. They love darkness. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 16 says, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every uh, respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Yet uh, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. This is so important for you to understand. The separation that happens between the Father and the Son, the separation that happens, he's telling you in this verse that Jesus understands that. He understands the separation that happens when you're in sin. He understands it because he's been separated from the Father. And that's, that's what we need. We have a high priest that we can go to in our time of need. No matter where you're at in your life, no matter what sin that you're dealing with, you repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. You draw people to the throne of grace, to the throne of mercy. Draw them with love and truth. It's one of the hardest things to do. Let me tell you, I've had some really tough times where I had to confront somebody about their sin. It is not easy. Not easy. As an assistant pastor, you're, you're usually the, when they, they tell you, you go with your, you go and you talk to the, to the brother or sister by yourself. And then, then if you can't get resolution, you bring a brother or sister with you. I'm usually the guy that has to go in on the second trip. It's not easy. But what your whole intent is to draw them to the throne of grace, to draw them to the throne of mercy, and to see them be restored. And sometimes it, it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And, what, you know, I've seen, I've seen a couple of those guys over the last two or three years, and I'm very cordial to them, very loving, and would love to see them be still drawn to the throne of grace and the throne of mercy, but we just love on them. They've already, they already know what the truth is. They've already, they've already made their decision with the hope that they'll return at some point. But we just, you know, it's tough. But we need to understand that we have a high priest that understands. That understands. You draw them to Jesus. That's what we do. We draw them to Christ. Verses 35 and 36, we see the second point. Wait, the bystanders speak. In verse 35, and some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling Elijah. Now that may sound like a good thing, but they're actually mocking Jesus at this point. They're still mocking him. Still mocking him. And it says in verse 36, And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put a reed on it, and gave him uh, to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take it down. And so why Elijah? Remember we went over this at the very beginning of Mark. And in Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, it says, Behold, I send a messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will uh, suddenly come uh, to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, saying, The Lord of hosts. Now they believed, and this goes back to Mark chapter 12, they believed that it was Elijah that was going to come. Remember, Jesus had actually addressed that in Mark chapter 12, verse 13, 12 and 13. He says, And he said to them, Elijah does not come first to restore all things, 
And how was it written that the Son of Man, that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you, Elijah has come. And they did not uh, did to him whatever they, they pleased as it is written of him. And so they, they always confused and always thought it was going to be Elijah. And we went over that. You can go listen to the teaching in Mark chapter 9. We went into that with great detail. Uh, and, and yet he's given sour, sour wine. It says, And after this, Jesus, knowing that all, all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. So this is another one of the sayings. I thirst. I would like to thank you for taking time to listen to our broadcast. This is uh, Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. If you're someone like me who is, uh, listens to a lot of podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Audible, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, just type in Calvary Chapel uh, Divine and you'll, you'll be able to track us down. And lastly, I just wanted to invite you out to church. Uh, we are a casual church that meets in a non-traditional building, uh, meaning that we meet at the VFW 3966 on West College Avenue, big white building right next to the the post office. Uh, If you want to get more information about our church, if you need to ask uh, some questions or you even need prayer, just go to calvarydivine.org. And uh, we want to thank you again just for listening to this broadcast of Calvary Chapel Divine Texas, Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. God bless you. Have a good one.